and welcome to Band in Boston. Uh, I am your host, Stephen Furda. This is a podcast where I and a special guest visit a famous Boston landmark, location, a, a thing to do, and we come together and talk about it and evaluate it, kind of in the goal to see if we can make uh, anything fun in this city, if we can make it a valuable experience, because it's looking more and more unlikely with every passing day. Um, not to be negative. Um, so, we've moved to a new location. Normally we record in my apartment. Last show we recorded in a moving vehicle. Now we're in a Emerson College study room. Um, so that's exciting. Don't know how quiet we have to be. I'm hoping I can still reach those uh, high volumes that I'm famous for. <laughs> Lots of yelling and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, so I'll go ahead and introduce my special guest. With me today is uh, a cultural connoisseur, <laughs> a, a true uh, 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 raconteur, um, all those good French words. Uh, please welcome <laughs> Zaji Zavalerio. How's it going, Zaji? Well, thanks, Stephen. Uh, I'm glad that we have established a vocabulary as to how to introduce me in your podcast. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you use the same ones for, uh, for the, the radio show. For the radio show with Owen, yeah. Yeah, when when we did the radio show, we had a long list of French That's true, yeah. Nouns, that you that may or may you. not, you probably, I don't remember how you pronounced it, but uh, I think it was uh, 8 out of 10. Yeah, <laughs> 8 out of 10. Yeah, most For 5 likely. words. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't do accents well, uh, no voices really. There are a couple impressions I can do pretty well. Really, but that's it. Actually, <laughs> Sanji, I I do like an impression of you. No way. Yeah. All right, give it's it a shot. Mostly just like, oh, Owen, lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if we're not eating, I am calling on Owen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that's pretty accurate. Um, but yeah. That's and then the other one I do is Neil Young, but I'm not gonna do that. No, no, no. Yeah, Neil Young is sacred territory. Yeah. Yeah. It's also like other people might be able to hear me, and I don't want them to hear my <laughs> singing voice. Oh, so you do sing? Only in Neil Young's voice. <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, Jimmy Fallon when he does Neil Young. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much. One time I had this dream. This is actually really funny. Um, I don't like to talk about dreams, really, because I think when people start talking about their dreams, they get boring really fast. But I did once have a dream where I was, for some reason, in my high school choir, and uh, I had to perform a solo, but I don't sing. So in my head, my solution was to do the solo in Neil Young's voice. So that's how ingrained that is within me. Wow. Were you an avid yeah. Neil Young listener? Uh, for a while. For about a year, I listened to him a lot, and then I moved on to whatever the next thing was I see. as it is yeah cool. yeah um but yeah so zaji you kind of like me you've lived in new york probably i think for much longer than i did but we're also we're both kind of new york expats <laughs> and so i guess my first question is what was it like to move to boston did it were you worried about it being a downgrade did it feel like a downgrade were you not concerned about it at I all i mean i knew that boston was a big downgrade from new york yeah um i still remember when i visited emerson in 2013 after i was accepted and after i committed to emerson 
I committed to Emerson before I visited Boston. Yeah. And so when I arrived here, I, it was... You had never been here. I'd never been here before in my Perfect. life. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to cold call this college. And yeah. I actually just visited. We arrived at 10.30 p.m. We ate at Beloco. Um, and it immediately sucked. <laughs> For the record, I strongly dislike Boston. I strongly dislike Boston. Yeah. Um, I used to say hate, but I actually think that there are some things that redeem it. Like and my parents would say hate's a nasty word. Hate is a nasty word, but I think Boston is one of those cities yeah. that actually deserves it. <laughs> um, and just to get an idea of it, I think that Boston actually is pretty similar to New York in the way that people don't really care about you. Yeah. Except that in Boston, they really make it known that they don't care about you. And that they actually engage you about it. Unlike in New York, go about your day, no one gives yeah, a... Yeah, you got the blinders yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Just... And so, here it's a lot more direct because it's a lot smaller. And I find that people here are less amicable. Right. You know, and... Particularly in the winter, it really is rough. Yeah. It really is rough. Well, I think in regards to how people treat you, the, the, the rudeness of the New York attitude is overstated just a little. Mm-hmm. I think it's more just that people who think New Yorkers are rude are expecting like small town friendliness. Right. But here, I do think people are like actively rude to you. Yeah, this is small town meanness. Yeah, you know this is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we can, if we can coin a term, small yeah. town meanness, Boston Perfect. Mass. Um, but that being said, it's redeemable factors. Well, it's really one redeemable factor is that this is a big concentration of uh, college students, right. and I think that this is just one big college campus. Uh, we have several universities here, and where I live in Alston, it particularly is really vibrant, and the people are really cool, really chill. It just so happens that, unfortunately, our school is downtown, which is the most unappealing place in the city. It is definitely one of yeah, the worst parts Yeah, one of, of the Boston. worst parts. Actually, um, if you want to talk about small town, the best part about downtown Boston is you see the same shitty people every day. Oh, that's so true. It's yeah, so yeah, yeah. And you get to develop these characters in your mind and based on what you see because it's as if everyone who stays here just stays the same like there's no growth yeah you're here long term because either one you're teaching which means that you are immune to a degree from this whole staticness because you're an educator whatever or you have failed (laughs) and this is it Right. This is as big as you'll get. Like, don't and you don't. You cannot stomach Portland, Oregon, because you don't like the West Coast, and so you're gonna stick it out in the East Coast, <laughs> in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> Bigger than DC, lot tighter knit than DC, or any other city in the East Coast for that matter. Um, most concentrated, like the most uh, populated, I would say. It just means, though, that you are... If this is as big as you'll get, then it's pretty sad. Yeah, I do think a lot about the people who move here and then stay here. 
Yeah. Like, just what happened. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um... Because I can't imagine wanting to do that. A right. lot of times I'll be walking through, like, Central Square, and right. I think, well, I could probably raise a family here. But no. that would only be if I just never left right. Cambridge. Right. Cambridge is such a bubble on its own. Uh, it has its ups and downs. It's kind of like... If you really end up liking Cambridge, it's like reading your favorite book and then not and then limiting yourself to that favorite book without reading anything else. It's a yeah. great experience. But you're missing out on all the other things in life. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know if it's my sort of um viewpoint and my way of seeing the world, but I feel like I really need to do certain things to cope with living here. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you have any coping mechanisms or you just kind of suck it up and deal? Oh, I definitely right. have a coping mechanism. It's getting the fuck out of here once in a while. <laughs> knowing that... Yeah, yeah, knowing that we are four hours away from New York. We are five hours away from Montreal. We are six hours away from Acadia National Park. Yeah. Um, we have options. That's another good thing, I guess, is that if we want to get out, we can get out. But unfortunately, a lot of people in this town don't have the means to go out. The right. public transit doesn't really go any further than Portland, Maine. Uh, good luck heading anywhere west. <laughs> yeah. Um, because there's absolutely no public transit network. Um, and then flying out of Logan is convenient for only some parts of the country. And other parts, for other parts, you'll, you really have to connect somewhere else. I think that Boston is, overall, it's one of the biggest sort of like cultural centers in the country. But whereas New York is a world-class city, Boston is not a world-class city. Right. I think that there's a consensus on that among all the fine experts out there who... uh, study cities and how they move and Boston is not a world class city yeah sure it may be popular with French people or other like Europeans because Boston a lot of people say is the Europe of the east coast but it's not like the Europe of America which is San Francisco right and that is a world class city tech uh, arts culture literally an icon you know we don't have the Golden Gate Bridge we don't have much of anything <laughs> there's well there's no like cool landmarks here I talk about the Sitgo sign constantly because I right. think that's the dumbest landmark in the world but it also is but it, it represents the city really well <laughs> Sitgo when people visit I always make sure that we walk in a place where you can really kind of right. take in the glory of the sicko sign light. Right. But it's just absurd that that's one of our signifiers. That and one tall building. Mm-hmm. But that one tall building is actually your point of reference for much of the city. Oh, absolutely. It is in relation to the Prudential building. Oh, where am I? Right. Well, no. it's, it's the North Star. Yeah, it's the North Star for us. It just is really unfortunate that it's called the Prudential building. Yeah. And not like, you know, the Empire State building yeah. or... The Freedom Tower, or uh, the Chrysler, or the Rock, thir- or Thirty Rock, 30 or yeah, you know, <laughs> there really is nothing, you know. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like Boston, the Greater Boston area, 
is so segregated from each other. There's no unity. There's, there's, so, there's such unique places that it almost feels like, and is actually treated as, like each neighborhood is really considered like its own little city. Yeah. There's no sense of like Boston pride, no unity in mm-hmm. the city, I feel. Um, it's almost like it's even designed that way in the sense that public transportation is sort of useless. There's mm-hmm. no crosstown trains. Right, right. Um, so if you can't figure out the bus system, good luck. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you live in Austin where you live, it's it take you, I don't know how long to get to, like, Jamaica Plain. Right. Well, or, what's good is that, as a cyclist... Oh, yes. I am at, I am in a unique position because I can get anywhere in 20 minutes, except East Boston, which takes me an hour, whether on a bike or on the train. I've still never been to East Boston, nor on the Blue Line. Really? And I might never. I You're might missing just... out, to be honest, because some of I've the heard. best, like, uh, Puerto Rican food is in East okay. Boston. Some of the best Mexican food is in East Boston. I hear there's, a, there's one good pizza place. Oh, you're looking at the wrong spot. <laughs> no, I only say that because I've read so many different articles on BuzzFeed and websites of that ilk that mention this one pizza place, and then go, next time your friends in New York tell them, tell you that Boston doesn't have good pizza, tell them about such and such. Well, we but all I know... I feel like one good pizza place doesn't supersede <laughs> That's true. the entirety of New That's York. That's true. And also, we all know the best pizza in this country is not even in New York, but in the city of New Haven. Oh, of course. Frank Pepe's. Ten minutes outside of my house. Yeah, Frank Pepe's. You know, I yeah. got a white clam pizza on and, that's, and some white birch soda. Yeah. Oh, the classic. <laughs> the birch beer. The birch beer. Oh, so good. Um, but we're here to talk about Boston, right? Yeah. And, wow, it felt really good to just unleash all that. Also because I only have maybe six months left in this city. Yeah, when are, you, when are you officially out? Like, May? You know, May, when yeah. You yeah, well, I'll still have the apartment, my apartment in Alston until September. Right. So I guess this is kind of like a transitory place. Mm-hmm. Trans, is, my apartment will become a place of transience. But it already is that, you know? My, yeah. my days are not counted by how many of them are going to be spent in Boston at home quote-unquote yeah for me it's really all about how many days are going to be spent in montreal and new york uh all these other places that i'll be going to in the next six months uh i'm actually actively looking for places to go to just to (laughs) i i I refuse to stay languishing over the next three months this shaping up to be already a brutal winter yeah. I think it's, it's going to be pretty bad. No, coming home from Thanksgiving, or coming back here from Thanksgiving break, um, the drive up, it just sort of dawned on me that I'm doing this for another year. Mm-hmm. And I had a small breakdown, which I, I'm being a little dramatic, but I just, it's, there's, it's so tough to live in a place where you know there's really nothing for you. Right, there's, right. The only thing keeping me here is the school I go to. That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that... And it's immediate surroundings that's, that is a part, like, uh, Chinatown. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Chinatown is also, I think, whoo, Chinatown is a special place because it is the outlier in the city of Boston. 
Yeah, that's actually how I was going to introduce it. It's really one of the only authentic yeah. and lived-in places here. Right, although that is changing. Oh, of course. Rapidly. Yeah, I actually, I meant to do research on this, because a long time ago I read an article about Chinatown landlords who were trying to force out the Chinese people who live there by doing super fucked up things, like oh. turning off their water and not turning it back on, or it's like removing their stoves and just not giving them stoves back. That's bizarre. Right. Anyway, you're sort of the perfect guest to talk about Chinatown because you've tried 90% of the restaurants there? Yeah, at this maybe point. More. Yeah, maybe a little more. I, I think I only have maybe six restaurants left Wow. to try. And that's because I just have not had time to access them. Right. Uh, yeah, it has been a three-year-long project already. What was that a conscious decision at the start of your time here to try every place? No, 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 no. It it just kind of happened. Snowballed. It just yeah, it just really snowballed. Uh, I think that Chinatown has a lot of diversity in its, it's sort of like its different cultures that it represents because it's when you go to Chinatown, it's not just People's Republic of China, Chinatown. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're talking um, Taiwanese food, Vietnamese, Thai. <laughs> Uh, and all of those iterations. And also, what's cool is that it really is a symbol for the greater diversity in Boston that we tend to play down. Mm-hmm. I think that without the presence of a Chinatown here, the vibrant Asian cultural food scene wouldn't be as vibrant. Absolutely. You know, uh, I mean, Austin has a pretty good record of Asian, Asian restaurants of uh, different cuisines. I mean, so does Cambridge, Somerville in particular. Um, yeah, and but I think Chinatown is a great anchor for that. Right. Um, and right now I feel like, I feel more than gratitude for pretty much going to all of these different restaurants because the restaurant scene is changing rapidly. It is, it is becoming one type. I think I've been to more Sichuan-style restaurants in Chinatown than any other style uh, in the city. Right. And what happens is that two of the best restaurants in this neighborhood are now gone. And those are? Um, what's that one called? Uh, the one that was replaced by Spicy World. Is that Jinjin? Jinjing. Yeah. yeah. Like, that was the best Vietnamese place in the city, arguably, I feel. Also the spiciest, which is pretty good. Like, <laughs> like uh, they know how to cater to American taste who just want, like, pure spice and no flavor. Yeah. But they and deliver spicy the spice. World, spicy so, yeah, world. Spicy world spicy, yeah, spicy world is just... <laughs> First of all, it's not that spicy, and second of all, worst jellyfish in the city, honestly. Like, a friend and I went there, and it was like, I could... It was like biting into a tendon. <laughs> Very tough. Now, I've never eaten jellyfish, and I'm not confident that I ever will. But what it, what's a good jellyfish like? Silky. <laughs> nice. A little slurper. Okay. Little, uh, no, it's, yeah. I mean, it's... I imagine there's a lot of gross noises. When not, you're it's not gross, it's just... Not the food, yeah. it's just the noise. Yeah, okay. Well, great sound design, Yeah. Uh, regardless. <laughs> but, no, I mean... And then the other one was uh, that place 
in that food court area. You went downstairs to the basement. It's that Hong Kong uh, cafe or something like that. I don't know this place. Yeah, well, this is downstairs. You go, you know where Ivana Sushi is? I don't know. Oh, dear. Um, yeah. So you're two blocks away from the gate. Okay. Right? I might have just walked by there, yeah. I'm being honest. And then if, if you go inside this, like, one building, there are actually, it's a food court of three or four different places. One of them is the best cheap sushi in Boston. But if you went downstairs, it was this Hong Kong-themed restaurant, and they had the best Portuguese baked chicken wow. I've had in this city. Yeah. So good. Basically, it's fried rice, and then they top it with, like, this fried chicken cutlet. With an egg gravy on top. Wow. Unreal. Unreal. Three meals for $11. It's amazing. But now it's been replaced by yet another Sichuan hot pot style restaurant. Yeah. And also across the street from it is a new hot pot restaurant. Um, and so it, there's a sense of uh, homogenization going on here. Yeah. I mean, granted, it's a very different kind of uh, homogeny uh, that's happening. It's a different kind of gentrification. It's one aspect of the gentrification that's happening in Chinatown. Right. Because now we have sort of like on the, what do you call it, on the western banks of Chinatown, we see the encroachment of these really fancy coffee shops and really fancy hotels and, yeah. and lots of development that's happening and as you say, you know, the residents, the local residents of Chinatown being forced, being out. forced out and it's being taken it's over shrinking. pretty much. It's shrinking, it's shrinking at a really alarming rate. And the grittiness that Chinatown is known for is disappearing. It's starting to become it's being threatened by all this modernization which I guess is important because in a lot of Chinatowns in the country our vision of that is uh, late 80s style you know like this it's like raining outside and it's like the neon like yeah. pulsing out like that's what we see Chinatown as we really have no idea what it should be in the 21st century. Like, how do we do that? How do we navigate that? Right. But being an observer to all of this, I still think that it is possible to maintain that sort of heritage that is built in the United States for Chinatowns. I mean, San Francisco has a great Chinatown, and so does New York City, so why can't Boston remain the great Chinatown that it is? Right. It's, it's not... It's... I mean, I'll say this. My When I first visited Emerson, I stayed in a building on Washington Street across the street from... Um, basically across the street from Jaho, the coffee shop. That um, hotel? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't even know. It might not even be a hotel. It might, be, it might have been an apartment building that right. rents rooms out for like a weekend. But we had dinner at Dumpling Cafe. And that was my first experience of Boston and Boston Chinatown. And I'd never had anything like that in Connecticut. Right. It's like, oh, this is so good. Soup dumplings. <laughs> what the fuck? I, I, I got, yeah, and I guess what's things. great. <laughs> but it was like a, a great introduction to the city, yeah. but most of the city's not really like that. That's and true. And so that's why it has to hold on to its identity. Right. As this sort of uh, 
uh, sanctuary, mm-hmm. of but at least interesting culture. But I think that us as college students and as Emersonians being so close to Chinatown, we are partially responsible for what's happening. I mean, Dumpling Cafe, I'm sure their soup dumplings were probably better when they started. And then it became an Emerson haunt, where late-night drunk Emersonians who were trying to get a quick meal before heading back to their dorms to hit the hay, you know, that's where they would go. And when a lot of people visit a place, as what happened to Jaho quality tanks yeah so fast and so that's why that row i mean apart from a you know that vietnamese place of course new saigon new saigon sandwich yeah. Woo! my weekly uh our, our pit stop after this yeah. um <laughs> uh yeah that's why that whole row though is either overpriced and not of good or not good of good quality or it's overpriced and of not good quality. Whereas if you go like further um, east, closer to like South Station, yes. like Hey La Moon, Great yes. Taste Restaurant Bakery, Ivana, Taiwan Cafe, um, Best Little Restaurant, which was recently acquired by Shoujo, um, those are the real. That's the real stuff, and also the best like um, roast pork, chashu in Chinatown is. Just across the street from where everyone plays uh, Chinese checkers and mahjong, right? You know, uh, so even though we're talking about gentrification, there's still a strong presence of the culture. There's, but it is sort of that thing where just the borders are shrinking. Because that's the thing. The right. area you talk about when you're in when you're on those streets, you feel like you're in this self-contained neighborhood. But when you're at Dumpling Cafe, it's you've got that it's diffused a little hospital more. or yeah. whatever, and You've got a pizza place, like, down the corner, and it's just it's sort of bleeding out. Right. My main concern is that Boston's Chinatown will turn into the worst Chinatown in this country, which is in Philadelphia. <laughs> I've um, never been there. Yeah, well... What's wrong with Philadelphia Chinatown? Well, it's, it actually is part of the larger discussion of what's wrong with Philadelphia, which is everything. <laughs> um, there's one place I actually hate... It's Philadelphia. Wow. Yeah, I actually hate Philly. Here's how much I hate Philly. My best friend, Simon, and I drove down to Philadelphia um, just to check it out, do some urban exploration. Yeah. So we leave, and then we head down, and we eat at the Chinatown, which is, by the way, two square blocks. <laughs> two square blocks, right next to the highway, and it's, like, pretty central. It's, like, pretty downtown. Wow. Sadness. There's no life in this Chinatown. I wouldn't call it Chinatown, just China block. China block. Block of China. Well, I feel like no life is what I remember of my time in Philadelphia. I spent like an afternoon there, and I just remember it was like South Street. Right. And nothing else. Nothing else, yeah. Nothing. I mean, now you have, you know, uh, you have Fish Market and like all those different places that are getting a surge of all the young peeps, young hipster. Rockets who Yeah, I'm sure it's like Boston where it's trying. It's trying. But Philly in but particular Philly. is trying too hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost self aware that it's inadequate. <laughs> right. Um, but I guess where were we? I mean before this turns into a discussion on Philadelphia, I think it's all you need to know is that the Philly Chinatown sucks and that the threat 
feels very real for Boston to turn into that. Right. Um, as it is shrinking, as the cultural diversity in Chinatown is also shrinking, uh, and also just general gentrification as as a whole. It's a, as a as as a, an umbrella dis- point of discussion. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's not good. That's why you got to try all the restaurants before it's all gone, I guess, you know? Because how cool is it to say now that, oh, yeah, I've been to two restaurants in particular that I really love, and they don't exist anymore. Yeah. (laughs) I was there. I was there. Well, let's talk about that a little more. Were there any restaurants that were particularly awful? In Chinatown? Yes. Hmm. Dumpling Cafe is pretty bad. Wow. Dumpling Cafe is pretty bad. I actually am not a fan of their soup dumplings. It's quite oily, come to think about it. Where, um, where do you get a better soup dumpling in Boston? I think Taiwan Cafe that makes a okay. mean soup dumpling. Yeah. Um, and actually, that, I, that is the only place that I trust with soup dumplings in this town. Interesting. I don't even trust that, uh, what's that, Gourmet Dumpling House. Okay. Nothing. I can't, yeah, well, first of all, it's the, the biggest tourist haunt in Boston. I believe it. Uh, cash only, super lame. It's also it also seats no more than forty people at a time, so there's always a line for these overrated dumplings that don't have great soup. Right. So they're just soggy dumplings, really. They're not soup dumplings. It's it's definitely hard to find a good dumpling in Boston. It's true, especially I mean, for a reasonable price point. That's probably my favorite thing about New York. Mm-hmm. Chinatown is I was just there last weekend and I went to Lamb Zhao Handmade Noodle uh, and I got eight dumplings for $3 yeah. and they're probably the best dumplings I've ever had exactly or you have Vanessa's dumplings which is of a lesser it's more of a Boston quality but it's also like a dollar fifty. right for their eight yeah dumplings. and who can forget Prosperity Dumpling R.I.P. <laughs> well, I've never been to first. I never made it to Prosperity Dumpling, but my friend Mukta speaks very fondly of it. Oh, and warm memories. I've it for her. Warm memories. Yeah. I used to order forty dumplings from that <laughs> place, and you know how much it cost me? Eight dollars. <laughs> Eight dollars. Absurd. I mean, five dumplings for a buck. Yeah. And they're like. You know, two and a half, three inch dumplings that were fried to perfection, and yeah. you got to make your own sauce out of it. I mean, my standard, my criteria for dumplings, and in particular, like fried dumplings, is this one street stall in my hometown in the Philippines, in Lucena, right across like the uh, Sacred Art College. Uh, called, well, actually, it didn't have a name. It was we just knew it as the dumpling stall, right? Where they uh, sold fried shumai, and you had this like little like sauce station where they had all the fixins and all you want and all all you had to do was kind of make your own proportions, and it was like a daily thing for me and my mom. We would just go out there and get a chocolate shake with boba, and then. 40 dumplings and it was just like the biggest like food thing in my life at the time Mm -hmm. I was 8 yeah um wow those were the days but whenever I I'm chasing that I'm I'm chasing that 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 dumpling dumpling. 
Um, it's been hard. Yeah. And I still haven't found it. That's yeah. the thing. I'm trying, but Boston and a lot of the Chinatowns in the country actually make it very difficult. Yeah. Um, but that being said, Chinatown, it may be dying, but it's not going to die. I don't think it's going to die fully. No, I don't think no. it ever could. No, it can't. It can't. Also because now I think that people who live there and people who are actively uh, within that world are starting to realize what's happening to them. Right. And that they are grouping together to protect their heritage and to protect what they've made in Boston. That is prime real estate, you know? Yeah. Downtown Crossing, the North End, Seaport... These are all within walking distance. Like, within 15 minutes, you're in all these different places. And Chinatown seems like this bastion of, like, total indie. Chinatown made it. Yeah. Well, also, I don't think Chinatown could disappear because no serious city lacks a Chinatown. That's true. And and that's one of the only things Boston really has going for it. I almost feel like at a certain point the mayor has to seven and be like, hold on, <laughs> we need to protect this. I mean, who knows anymore, Yeah, frankly. But, so, it's interesting for me to hear that it doesn't get worse, than, or I guess, does it get worse than Dublin Cafe? Because, personally, I'm not always the most adventurous person. Like, I don't think I could undertake eating at every restaurant in Chinatown. Mm-hmm. I would just rather eat at the places that have been vetted by others. Um, so you're, you're, you're a Yelper. I'm definitely, I'm a, I read Yelp avidly. I don't write on it. I bookmark a lot. Okay. Um, but it is a little, uh, exciting to know that Dumpling Cafe is one of your least favorites because that's a place I've been to a lot. So now I feel like there's a whole world out there. I also must admit that there are so many kinds of food that I haven't tried I think you know that I've never had sushi. We should change that. I've never done hot pot. We should change that. Which I want to. I've I never really done Korean barbecue. So my my <laughs> my circle is a lot I like you lot less. Smaller. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My circle is a lot smaller, but um, I mean I. I think it's exciting that there's so much to try still. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if you want the best Chinese food in Chinatown right now, it actually comes from two new restaurants. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, there's Best Little Restaurant by Shoujo. Right. This place used to just be called Best Little, Little Restaurant. Restaurant. And it actually was a tiny restaurant that's kind of like half a level down, so it's not the basement, but it's not the ground level either. Yeah. It's in, in that in-between. And they had a really authentic menu that they really did not cater to Americans at all. Like, we went in there and everything was in Chinese, and I was just like, I don't know, just bring it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now it is the best Chinese food in the city of Boston. Okay. Easily. Easily. I have been there maybe twice. The first time I ordered half the menu with a group of friends, and the second time I ordered the other half of the menu. It's a very small menu, but it's also well-prepared. It is delicious. It is... It's pretty authentic in the way that, like, it is as close as authentic 
to to it is as close to like pure Chinese food in America as it's gonna get. Yeah, you know. Um, so what's an example of something that's really good there? I mean, their it's mapo tofu good. is really good. Okay. Really good, and also, um, but then you have on the other end you have something that's actually completely like almost pretty American, which is bone marrow on toast points. Yeah. Like on, on scallion toast points, which is like the scallion pancake element out of it all. Mm-hmm. There was also some like short rib action going on. Um, there was this like different preparations of chicken and like lamb. That was I think lamb was one dish as well. Um, although the eggplant was superior, one of my favorites, and also the cucumber salad was also pretty good. Uh, you just have to go. We'll have to go. I will. I will. Yeah, go we have. To, yeah, we have to go. Um, right. <laughs> right now. Um, right now? <laughs> um, well. I did propose that we sit down for a meal and do this, but humpty dum, you, didn't, you decided not to. No, it wasn't that I decided not to. It just didn't quite work with the scheduling. I mean, it could have. We could. We could make anything work. I guess we could have done it. Whatever. Well, What's, we don't. What, we don't. Yeah. We don't need the the podcast to bring us together to hang out. That's we can true. Any time. That's true. But I have to put out an episode every other Monday. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel. Yeah. Um, well, uh, and then the second restaurant. Yeah. Okay. So the second restaurant that really brings it together, this whole experience that, or this whole notion that Chinatown is not dead, is the little sister to um, Mai Tai Vegan Cafe, which is Kuang's Vegan. Okay. And one of the owners of the place runs it during the day, and for $6.50, you get a, a base of either fried rice or this, like, lo mein, and then... You select two entrees. You can go like green curry, yellow curry. You could do yellow curry and like this uh, vegan beef and broccoli type deal. Okay. Then you get like a soup with that too for $6.50. It is the greatest deal ever. And also, they have some really good sandwiches. Um, Like they have this fried tofu sandwich. that's a bon me pretty much. Right. But it's also like three dollars and fifty cents. Wow. So it beats uh, New Saigon, which charges four dollars. Now it's four dollars. Yeah. I think when yeah. I first started going there it was three fifty. Right, right, right. But I think if you go through Yelp you can find that back in the day it was two fifty. Okay, yeah. Let's not yeah, that's too it's too much. <laughs> it's too much, yeah. Um I will have to try that. Actually I do want to talk to you about Bon Me. Yeah. That's something I didn't try until I got to Boston. Right. And fell in love with it almost immediately because it's inexpensive mm-hmm. it's so fast and it's delicious but I found after I went to New York that the banh mi in New York was of a much higher quality oh yeah so then I got back here and I was trying to figure out well this is close to being what I know and love but what's wrong with it and I think I cracked it what is it so in New York typically a, a banh mi it'll have mayonnaise on it and that's pretty much it when it comes to, like, condiments. Yeah. Um, in Boston, a lot of the places, depending on... I think it depends on the kind of sandwich you order, but a lot of the times they use fish sauce, which is an entirely different taste. It's not even a taste that I don't like. It just tastes wrong. Huh. 
I don't know strange. if you've noticed this. Well, in all of my experiences, I think the fish sauce is key, actually. You like the fish sauce? The fish sauce is necessary. Also, okay. I'm a fish sauce fiend. I have a collection at home of, like, 15 different bottles. Well, see, I don't know too much about what fish sauce is. I've never come across it otherwise. Want a history it. lesson? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so... That's why you're here. Yeah, well... <laughs> so, how it's made, fish sauce. So, it starts with anchovies. Of course. <laughs> everyone's favorite. Actually, though, my favorite, for sure. I think anchovies are So, anchovies that have been sort of cured in salt. Okay. And then they put the water over it and they let that thing ferment. And then basically you get this concentrated anchovy taste that then becomes fish sauce. It's very simple. Anchovy, salt, water, fish sauce. Right. Literally. <laughs> um, but it all depends. The strength depends on how long you ferment it, how long you keep it in there. Um... But there's a wide variety for different purposes, just how there's light soy sauce, dark soy sauce, whatever. Right. Um, but it's a key ingredient in a lot of Asian cuisines. Like in Filipino cuisine, it's so vital. Um, Vietnamese cuisine, obviously. Thai, even, I would say. Um, and Indonesia. Um, but the mayonnaise is key. Well, I started doing more research into it, and I read this controversial Washington Post article from years ago. This is what I was doing instead of participating in our class we have together. Um, and I read this article where the guy stated that fish sauce is one of the key ingredients of a banh mi. And then someone in the comments was like, no, that's the only thing that should be on a banh mi, um, sauce-wise, is mayonnaise. And I think I'm inclined to agree. Okay. Yeah. I disagree. Yeah. I think that it's a combo of both. You can have both. Just so you know. It is It is possible to have both. You can just ask True. for mayo. I guess I could say no fish sauce. You could say no fish, fish sauce. But also, the fish sauce adds so much to those pickled veggies. and Sometimes like, it overpowers, I think. Oh, no, no, no. You want, you want your breath to stank. <laughs> This is not your typical sandwich. This is not your cold-cut sandwich, you know? This is Vietnamese cold-cut sandwiches, which True. includes the mayo and the fish sauce. Okay. And the whatever luncheon meat they put in there, which is right. delicious. I personally go for the barbecue beef. It's right. good. Where they do add the mayo. Well, you know what I think might have thrown me off? What's up? At New Saigon, the first sandwich I ever got was probably teriyaki chicken. Mm. I think if you go for one of the teriyaki options, they omit the fish sauce. Right. But then once you go for one of the barbecue options, they throw the fish sauce on. Right. Correct. So I think my palate is still adjusting. But the last time I was in New York and had a bombing, there was no fish sauce. Right. And I got a barbecue pork. Right. So that's what I can't figure out, Saji. You can probably ask for fish sauce, to be honest. No, but I was glad there was no fish sauce. <laughs> well, it's, really, it's a matter of preference, then. Then why? Yeah, why? yeah I mean... It actually is a matter of preference. You want fish sauce? There's a, you think that when you ask for it spicy at New Saigon and they add jalapeno, that that's authentic? I don't think so, all right? Yeah. They usually use like a, like a bird chili or something. Mm -hmm. They're not going to use jalapeno right. like they do at New Saigon. Right. So there's a trade-off here that's happening. There's a certain like expectation of taste for the American palate. 
for your palate, for my palate, yeah. very different things. Of course. You haven't tried sushi. <laughs> Dude, I'll get there. Dude, you'll get there? I, oh. Well, you know what it is at this point? I promised a lot of people that the first time I have sushi will be with them. So now there's just this whole network of people who want to have sushi with me. Oh, I don't care anymore. We're having sushi. Yeah, I mean, I can't make any promises anymore. Yeah, you, you're done. You, <laughs> we'll you... do it at some point. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know anymore. I think your credibility the, the for raw this. Fish. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's I just know. it makes me nervous. I introduced my family to sushi really? successfully. My sister was particularly stringent about not having sushi sushi at all. My mother was Why is only that? she doesn't like the idea of raw fish. She okay, did not here. And my mother did not like that as well. Until I said, Alright, well then let's start with the basics. Yeah. And now we're sushi fiends. Yeah. Every birthday is now at this sushi restaurant mm-hmm. every birthday I mean it probably is also because of the free champagne that they give us I think that but, helps yeah I think that definitely helps but also the sushi is crazy it's crazy good you have a particular favorite kind of sushi yeah actually I would have to say that it's the ooh <laughs> it's oh, the no. mackerel. mackerel I love mackerel sushi okay. it's actually techn- it's not it's cured. It's like salted mackerel. So good. People are big fans of the taro, which is the tuna, like the belly, like tuna taro, mm-hmm. um, or maybe even like a salmon taro. But th- that's too gelatinous. You just want the mouthfeel, like f- meat melting in your mouth. Give me that lean flavor. Yes. So if I'm gonna have sushi for the first time in Boston, where do I go? You go to Havana Sushi. Havana Sushi. Havana. A V A yeah Avana. Got it. It's in that little food court that we were talking about earlier. Okay. It's um. It's great for first time. Eaters. Beginners. Yeah, yeah, for beginners because it's a fun place. Everything's served in paper plates, which may be like mm, I don't know if I can trust this, but also it is the most low risk because they do treat their fish well. It's not like oh like this is coming from the ground like the basement like no no yeah. it's like standard preparation and great quality great quality fish and also it's cheap it is cheap as you can go like it's the lowest price I've ever paid for a sushi ever <laughs> ever it's so good honestly so take advantage of that while you're here okay yeah with me okay we'll do it yeah, um, no, the list of places that I want to go to just because of this conversation is very long. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, it's, uh, I do that to people. Right. <laughs> but I think it's important to, to explore. Even yeah. if, even if you're, I know that you say that you're not that adventurous, but you don't have to be adventurous to try different places in Chinatown, or in Boston for that matter. There's always familiarity you're never one preparation away from eating something that you kind of know. Right. You know, you're, you're thinking of, like, variation as a completely new thing. I mean, it can be, and there are some things that I've had, like, you know, uh, belt fish. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, what's that? Oh, yeah, it's just, like, a white fish that's, like, a little more dense, and it 
it's like flaky flesh. It's good. But the name throws you off, like bellfish. And then you look it up, and it looks like this long fish. And like, oh my gosh. And then, then it's like, yeah. if you start Wikipedia searching everything, then I see your concern. But like... Yeah, it definitely sometimes helps to not worry yeah. about what you're eating. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe realize that the fried turnip cake that you eat at great taste. Have you been there? No, but I had hoped that... It's been my plan to ask you to do this episode for a while, and I would hoped it would start with like a, going to great taste. Because oh. it's been recommended to me a bunch of times. Well, but again, the timing just didn't work. Well, but we're, yes, the turnip oh, cake. We're going. The oh, the cake. turnip cake is so unreal. It's unreal. It's, and also, what's cool is that they do their turnip cakes unlike any other place. Most of them, most turnip cakes are steamed. Okay. And it's part of like the whole dim sum experience. They put oyster sauce in there, um, but for great taste they deep fry the turnip cake with an exo sauce okay amazing oh i pine for it right now (laughs) pining for it but yeah like i don't know i don't know i don't know what else to say i mean what is it what is the what is the future of chinatown in boston i don't know I am confident that it'll exist in some shape or form. I just don't know if it'll be the same. I don't know if, like, Havana Sushi is going to be there for much longer. I don't know how those vegan places with such cheap prices are going to keep going. Yeah. I think you're going to get more places like Shoujo and BLR by Shoujo that deliver great quality Chinese food, authentic food, uh, but the prices are going to be jacked up and the restaurant experience is not going to be this like humdrum like hole in the wall place with like fluorescent lights these are going to be intimate date night places oh Violet's a great idea for a date night oh, I'm thinking now I have a date on Tuesday so oh we're not trying to go out to eat we did that last time Oh boy. Okay. Uh, okay. Well. Oh, anyway. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Not to get too caught up. Yeah. In... Yeah. So. Chinatown. Is gonna live. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. One thing I'm curious about you personally is, as someone who's tried all these places, do you like, being the, like a, s- information source? Like when I message you, where's the good ramen? Is that does that get annoying? No, not at all. Really? It should be... I think that if you can take a shortcut to get to a great place, why not? Right. And also, there's a sense... Yeah, I mean, there's a sense of urgency already. As we keep saying, you know, restaurants are opening, closing, and going into hiatus, and, like, just closing forever. Like, what? You never know anymore. And when when you find a good place, you need to go there as soon as possible, because that great place might not be there or it might be might become so well known that you end up like missing its like peak 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 existence so the heat is on for you for me yes absolutely yeah for you no I I, there's so many places I want to try before the end of the semester I don't know how it's ever going to happen 
You can do it. I'm I'm booked for, you know what I mean? Like, I know what my next three weekends hold. Right. Well, I think that a friend put it well when he asked, when he told me that uh, they need more holidays. And I said, <laughs> if you need more holidays, make them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I think I have to ask you this question, which is, can you give me a top five favorite restaurants in Chinatown? Sure. Yeah, I think I can do that that, reliably. Do you you have that in your head already? Yeah, that exists. Okay. Is that like what you do? Do you have a spreadsheet? It's not a spreadsheet. I just know. I I feel it out. Okay, it's up there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're gonna go descending order. We're gonna go no from order. five to one. Yeah. Okay. okay. Perfect. So, uh, five would be that roast pork place right across the checkers area. Okay. Um, you pay six dollars for this heaping box lunch box of rice and pork, and it's just the most tender thing you'll have. Uh, number four would be. Um, Hey La Moon, which is a great dumpling standard place, standard dumpling house where food rolls around in carts and you just pick mm-hmm. what you want. And I mean, it's a classic. It's a great, it's a good place to sort of get that Chinatown vibe, the experience of like eating in a large banquet hall style right. space. I've been to Hey La Moon and I can vouch for Hey La Moon. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely a gem. Right. That's number four. Number three would have to be New Saigon Sandwich. Such a hole-in-the-wall cash-only, but for $4, you can get either this, like, rice plate or a sandwich, Mm -hmm. and it's really good with the fish sauce. (laughs) Yeah, or without. But, I I mean, I've been there every Thursday this semester. The lady knows me now. Yeah, she knows. Yeah, it's great. I still owe her money. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Number two would have to be Best Little Restaurant by Shoujo. It has moved its way up very quickly because of just how modern the food is, yet well-executed and authentic flavor-wise. Mm-hmm. And number one is Great Taste Restaurant and Bakery. Their turnip cakes alone make it so worth it. So worth it. You don't need to go there for anything else. I mean, also, they're the only place that sell um, Portuguese, the Portuguese chicken now since that old place went down. But some runners-up, I guess, would be Havana Sushi as well as Taiwan Cafe. Yes. For sure. And rest in peace to that Hong Kong restaurant below that is now replaced by the Sichuan cuisine place mm-hmm. and rest in peace Jing Jing, Jing, Jing. Uh, <laughs> best Vietnamese restaurant in Boston <sighs> yeah but that would be my list yeah there are go to's yeah there are go to's it would be those now I know how to direct myself and as do my listeners who are suffering in this cultural wasteland so we end every episode by giving the uh, the topic of said episode 
a rating out of five shamrocks. Five shamrocks being something you have to go do when you're in Boston. You have to make sure you visit it. And one shamrock being a void, obviously. So just go ahead and hit Chinatown with the shamrock rating. And if you want to explain a little more, you can, but we went pretty in-depth in this we one. We did. I think, I think so, that we have a good context for yeah. four shamrocks. Four shamrocks? Four out of five shamrocks. Perfect. Yeah. I would also have to give it four shamrocks, four, yeah. which is, I think, probably the highest rating I've given something. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely check out Chinatown, Chinatown if yeah. you find yourself in Boston. And then get the hell out. Get out. Anyways, Aji, it's been a great hour. I must say I love listening to you talk about food. And yeah, I, I'm always hungry, so yeah. <laughs> you know where to find me if not in a restaurant. <laughs> and thank you for uh, coming out. All right, thanks, Stephen. Um, uh, anyway, make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you're not subscribed. As I've said before, I'm trying to become the most subscribed podcast on the Light Switch Podcast Network. And actually, now's a good time to note that next episode, which will be the season finale, I will announce how many subscribers I have. So we do not want that to be a pathetic (laughs) number. So if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Um, Get your friends to subscribe. Make like four iTunes accounts and subscribe on every single one. Right. Um, And also rate us five stars. We have one five-star review. That's our only review. Come on, I I need to get more ears on this thing. Um, Because... Why do it for nothing, if not fame and fortune? <laughs> right? Do you agree? Uh, Are you subscribed? I abstain <laughs> from all the questions right now. Okay, we're done talking. The show is done. <laughs> I, you, I require nothing more from you. Anyway, again, subscribe. Thanks for listening. Have a good night, everybody.